Good evening. It has been good to be here today. If you would be opening your Bibles to 1 Timothy, the second chapter, to be able to approach our Almighty God and lay down the concerns that's on our hearts, what a blessing. And to be able to listen to the concerns and the prayers of others, what a blessing. And to know that the one that we approach is powerful. And he doesn't just hear, he hears in a relationship where he wants to respond. Truly, I believe that things will be different in our lives because we have taken so many requests and petitions uh, to our God today. We're thankful that the young people, uh, even after this service, uh, will spend an hour in prayer. And we're thankful that they too are people of prayer. Paul was a person that I believe that through the scriptures we can clearly and distinctively say he was a person that would esteem and exhort with the highest exhortation the very opportunity of prayer. To Paul, it wasn't an outer garment of his spiritual life. It wasn't the polish or the paint. It was the core of who Paul was. It was the marrow in his bones. It was the very, very process in which he lived the Christian life was in relationship with God and that continual dialogue with God. As we see in just a moment at the end of this lesson, it was Paul who said, pray without ceasing. Paul couldn't imagine a life, a day, perhaps even an hour without being in oration, prayer, dialogue, communion with God. He recognized it and had great conviction. He realized it was a tremendous honor. He realized that it was a privilege. He realized that it was a Christian duty. Paul realized that it was through prayer that faith becomes mighty and mightier. And if we could take the time, and it would take a while, to just fan through all of the letters, the epistles that Paul wrote. You can't go many pages without seeing an exhortation of prayer or an exact prayer being prayed or some kind of reference to that wonderful opportunity and responsibility that every one of us has to pray. In 1 Timothy, the second chapter, he addresses this responsibility by saying in verse 1 of 1 Timothy 2, Therefore, I exhort first of all, note that, I exhort first of all, and notice the different descriptions here of prayer, the supplications, that's requests, prayers and oration before God, intercessions, praying on behalf of another, and giving of thanks, the attitude of gratitude. He says, be made for all men. Two times in that one verse, we have the word all. First of all, pray for all men. And here's an example of who these men would be. Verse two, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Praying for these individuals can result in you and I having a peaceful life. But there's also a deeper motive than just our peace that we can find. And notice in verse 3, the deeper motive, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all 
men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't it interesting that Paul begins this exhortation by saying, first. He didn't just stop there. He said, first of all. In other words, he's saying, I have several things that I want to say to you, and I'm going to begin with the first one, but I want you to understand, I'm beginning with this first one out of all the other things that I'm going to say. This is the first one we need to cover. Paul, what is it? Pray. Pray about everything. Have a dialogue with God. That's literally the idea of prayer. It's orotation. Make intercession for other people. Let your request be made known. Be humbly grateful and recognize that everything you have, including the opportunity to pray, is a gift from God. All right, Paul, I've got that. What do you want us to pray for? All men. And if you enjoy peace in your life, pray for your leaders. Listen, I have no business, no business being concerned about our leaders if I haven't first prayed for them. He says, you like the peaceable life? You pray for all of your leaders. But then he says, there's something deeper. It's about what God longs for. Why do we pray for all men, not just leaders? Why do we pray for all mankind? Because God wants all of mankind to be saved. First of all, do you have a heart that all of mankind is saved. How many days goes by without you praying for someone's soul? Can you honestly say that you have a heart like God, that you want all men to be saved? And if the answer is yes, you're gonna pray for all men also because you want them to come to the knowledge of the truth at the end of verse four. Paul, what can you tell us about prayer? He would say, if we're going to talk about a lot of things, I can tell you this. I want to talk about prayer first. But a second thing that he would tell us about prayer, if you would be turning to Philippians, the second chapter. I'm sorry, the fourth chapter. Philippians, the fourth chapter. And he's going to tell us something else about prayer. Paul's not just saying, hey, it's first above so many other things. He's also going to say it pertains to everything. You can't name an area of your life that God doesn't want you to pray about. I've had many times in my ministry for people to sincerely ask, do you think God would mind if I prayed about, and then they'll mention something that they'll, they're afraid that God would think that's insignificant. Notice what God says here through the apostle Paul. Let's look at Philippians, the fourth chapter, just two verses here, verse six and seven. Be anxious for nothing. Wow. We might as well close the Bible there. That's a mouthful, isn't it? We could leave and say, everybody go out this week and just obey that verse. Can you say, I'm gonna go all week. We'll come back together next Sunday night and we'll have a test. Raise your hand if you have not been anxious about anything. Someone says, can you really do that? I think we could reach the mark of maturity that we probably could, but I think it's one of those things that very few of us reach that mark and it's a great challenge to do, but we ought to not ever stop striving. And so we have to have a solution. By nature, we worry about things. By nature, we're going to be anxious. And so Paul says, let me give you a solution. You don't have to be anxious. Here's what we do instead, verse six. Be anxious for nothing 
but in everything. So everything that would make you anxious, here's a solution. But in everything, by prayer, in other words, talk to God about it, and supplication, let your request be made known to God about what you are concerned about. Here we go, with thanksgiving. It has to be approached with an attitude of gratitude. Don't ever take a concern that you have to God without also taking gratitude. That gratitude might be many things. It might be while you're bringing this to God, grateful for the past prayer that he answered yesterday. It may be grateful for the fact that you can pray about it. It may be grateful for the fact that you know one day there's coming a time when time is no more and you're not going to have these areas in your life that have the potential of bringing anxiety to your life. But listen, if you want to talk about a formula that works, the scripture gives it to us and Paul says, don't be anxious pray about it, ask God about it with gratitude, ask God about it. And then notice as he kind of summarizes all that he has said so far in verse six, notice this next phrase of summary here. Let your request be made known to God. There's our instruction. God wants to hear about it. Let your request be made known to whom? Well, let's take it to a committee and this committee will vote whether or not it is important enough for you to burden God with it. Well, take it to this one person and this one person will determine if, if you have the right to approach God with it. God says, you don't have to worry about this. I want your request to be made known to me. God wants us to approach him. And what's the result of that going to be? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Jesus Christ. That's only what God can offer to individuals that are willing to take everything and lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be anxious about this. I'm going to leave it up to you, God. And so in summary, we hear what he said to the brethren of Thessalonica. Turn, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. We saw what he wrote to the people of Ephesus through Timothy. We have seen what he has written to those of Philippi and now to those of Thessalonica. And these are just three of the many, many passages where Paul made simple, strong statements about prayer. How do you do this? Rejoice always. Well, we probably can't if we don't follow up with the rest. Pray without ceasing. And now we're back to that word everything again. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God says, I want you to find the good in everything. And sometimes something is so bad that the only good that we can find is the hope that God keeps his promise in Romans 8 and 28 that something good is going to come out of it. And he says, so I want you to rejoice in that. And I also want you to figure out a way to give thanks in everything. Isn't this interesting, the challenge that Paul's laid out? I don't want you to be anxious about things, and I want you to be able to give thanks in everything. And then he reminds us that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Surely we want to do God's will. That is a wonderful and powerful way to do God's will. Prayer. E.M. Bounds in an old classic wrote, Paul, 
took it for granted that men who know God would pray, that men who lived for God would pray much, and that men could not live for God who did not pray. So Paul prayed much. I believe we've all been blessed by today. But maybe for some of us, today needed to be a reminder to us of just how important it is to pray personally, collectively, pray. I hope also today was a reminder to us that the one to whom we pray is awesome loving, powerful. What he wants is not just our prayers. He wants our life. And you know, in the last few weeks, we've had several sermons that have been talking about revival and about a life of service. And maybe what has been missing has been prayer. And today, you've been prayed for. Today, your name has been taken before the Almighty. And Tim Martin began this service praying before the Almighty God that you would have the strength and the courage to make your life right with God. God won't force any of us to do anything but God will give us all the strength and all the opportunities that we need to serve him we can either submit to him or we can fight him but that's a battle that we won't win tonight what a blessing we have to be able to say the Lord's invitation is extended. If you want to come to God and lay down your life, He offers that opportunity. If you're ready as a believer to repent of sins and confess before men that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we would love to baptize you into Christ as the Scriptures teach. Maybe you've begun that journey and along the way, you've lost sight of God, that faithful relationship to Him, and you want to come back. His arms are open and he's ready to rejoice and we are too. God's not counting up all the sins that you've done and wants to rehearse them. He simply wants to know, are you willing to repent and come back home? We'd love to pray with you and for you. If we can help you in any way, the prayers have been offered. The song is sung to encourage and we hope you'll come